Take that back. I am back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcasting. Hey, everybody. I just want to come in and do a little preamble before the show gets started. Uh, This is Chad, and I'm the only one sitting around this goddamn table all by myself tonight. Um, This is a a place where everyone gets together and has a little bit of fun. So uh, we are still going to have the group of guys. We're going to do a little bit of telecommunicating. And we still have a guest tonight. So before everyone calls in and we get the whole group back together again, I just wanted to let everyone know, uh, if the audio quality is a little off tonight, work with us. We're trying our best. Uh, We love doing this show. We love bringing it to you. And we want to make the best, uh, most fun show that we can for everyone listening. So thank you for bearing with us. And uh, next time you hear my voice, we're going to have the whole goddamn crew with us. Thank you, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, the three of the four of us are sitting here uh, on Zoom message. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Jay's got a hey, mouthful of pizza. <laughs> oh, there's Jay. Hey, there's Jay. <laughs> so uh, I told you guys I did a little bit of an intro before the show. I did not do any plugs. So tonight's show is being recorded throughout the Mercer County and into Trumbull County, but tonight I'm doing it from Urban Fly Company Studios. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. Mayrex Hooks. Find them at mayrexhooks.com. Sims Fishing. Find them at simsfishing.com. Yeti Coolers. Check them out at yeti.com. And also app the dog. 
which is a fishing app of some East Coast dudes. Check them out. Real fishy. Keeps us all together. Hey, one more thing. Our good buddy Ryan Evans, the Queen City Guiding, asked if he could come on board. So uh, go check out queencityguiding.com. So, guys, uh, a lot's been changed since the last time we recorded a show. What uh, What's going on? How are you guys handling this? Uh, we don't want to make the whole show Corona-centric, but it's changed what's going on. Obviously, we're not together tonight. What's uh, What's been going on in your neck? Excuse of me. Words? You'll get to eat. Go. I'm doing shit. Back out of here. Thank you. <laughs> we see what's going on with Jace. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lucky. I mean, I've been lucky enough to, you know, well, I'm not lucky enough. Uh, I'm not working at the time, so I, uh, I've i got to go fishing a little bit more than I usually, well, not usually would have. I've skipped the days, the days that I needed to. Um, it was nice. got to go up steelhead fishing with Dad. That was fun. Uh, it was a weird, it was a weird drive though. I mean, we, we literally sat and looked at the, like, we never looked at each other the whole time. Never breathed on each other, you know, and took a, <laughs> took a nice long trip up there, you know, whatever it is. And it was nice to get out on the stream with them, uh, spend some time and, you know, just nice to get some fresh air. Uh, I hadn't steelhead fish for a long time. I ended up, he, right off the bat, dad, you know, he gets in there, gets in the hole and, uh, hooks one immediately. Like first thing in the morning is a smaller fish. He didn't, I was like, you need help? He's like, nope. He gave a deary shuffle, unhooked it, kicked it back in. Um, that's you, a joke, but. You got to tell him, we need some pictures, man. The the Instagram page doesn't run on good vibes. <laughs> then well, a little later, I had walked downstream and I stood up on this big, big, nice big rock, you know, like a, almost like a pillar that had broke off or something or, you know, from past years and. I was, I felt like I was like six foot five and I was high sticking my two hander. Oh my. I was like, man, so this is what Levi feels like when he's steelhead fishing all the time. <laughs> so I said that to dad and two, two casts later, dad stags up. He walks upstream to retie. I, and then I hook a fish. So I could have probably got a picture or two for you, Chad. I'm sorry, but I just, it was, uh, I pulled the hook. It was still wiggling around, struggling. I just let it go back to where it was at. I know you were live feeding. Cool. You're giving us the live, uh, the live feed while uh, I was underneath a truck changing, changing a clutch. It was great. It took me out of what I was doing at the moment. Anything I could do if I'm out there. <laughs> it definitely did help. So, uh, Jace, have you been fishing? Cool. Oh, what? Oh no, no. Oh no, what happened? Oh, hold on guys. All right guys, we're working some technical difficulties out, but we are back. I saw one more cool thing out there when I was fishing and I actually had hooked one other fish and there was a guy and two kids across from me. So those kids got to hear some cussing. I actually, and then I apologized to the guy for cussing. You know, I, I, I had one on, he came up, head shook me and you know, my fly goes flying out of his, you know, out of his face, and I'm like, Son of a you know, a couple of times, and you know, you get to see the the whole experience as an eight year old kid. But you know, we walked across the creek and we were leaving, and from a distance, you know, we kept our uh, nice distance and everything. And but talk talked to him for half a second. I said, "Man, you make it fun for those kids, and you'll have a fishing buddy for life." You know, uh, look at my old man here, and this is 25 years later, we're 30 years later, we're doing the same shit. You know what I mean? And uh, still spending good time out here, and I 
passed another guy with his son out there, and he said he was trying to get his son his first steel head. And I said, hey, good luck, buddy. Get your first one. It'll hook you for life. Yeah, you know? man. Once you get once you get that first one, it's it's game on. And if if you oh man, if you get it on like a spinner, they were throwing spinners and things like that, and that kid's gonna get a hot fish, and that fish is gonna take him all the way up, you know, way past that bridge and everywhere else, and you know. It's what hooked you as a kid. So I got, you know, that was cool to see. Then we tossed it out and got on our way home. So, so good did, day out, though. Did you end up uh, fishing, few, fishing Ohio or PA? people out or just a couple? There were quite a few guys out. Yeah, there were. We were there be, right around light, and there were already cars. Cool. On Thursday. So everyone had the same idea as you guys. Oh, yeah. Nobody was working. So... We were on the opposite side of the creek as everybody, so we didn't have anybody walking around us or anything. So everybody would keep the hell away from me. I tried to cough and really loud. It didn't spook them off. <laughs> oh, God, that's fucking funny. <laughs> See, when you cough, there's a certain smell that follows that. Nobody wants to leave. Touche. Touche, Jace. You're right. <laughs> I, I ran into a share the other day. I was out fishing, and I'm walking by some some young lads out there. They were living their best life, social distancing, whatever these hipsters are fucking calling it. But uh, I'm going out to catch dinner, you know, regular type of. Oh, no. The Internet froze. <laughs> day at the lake. Fish are biting. Quite early this week. <laughs> No, no. Are we are we still recording then? We're, we're still recording. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, well then, then the, the the young kid I ran into, he's like, "You want to hit this?" And I never turned down nothing. I don't give a fuck if it was COVID 2099. I'm hitting that shit. So this is how I roll. He didn't seem too scared to offer, so I, I, I had to take him up on it. Right? That would be rude not to. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> tasted like he got into his granddad's stash because it was pretty freaking great. <laughs> so are we saying old guys have good stash? It used to be oh, that yeah. way. Now, now you can be twelve years old with the the dankest dank. It's out there. It's everywhere. We we used to have to steal it from our dads, right, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> or our buddies' dads? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, they had the gooder stuff. All we had was stuff. <laughs> the gooder. <laughs> gooder. So, you don't know what gooder means. You ain't fucking from here. <laughs> so, uh, we got a pretty good... Have you been drinking since noon, Jace? What the hell? <laughs> no, no, I haven't done anything. I went and did some fishing and... You yeah, should be. Did you, how did you do that, Dave? Have you been catching dinner or what? Yeah, the crappie are willing to bite. I guess it's day by day, but... We went up to the, the real local lake and was able to get into a few fish the other night. Uh, nothing big, nothing crazy total-wise, but nonetheless, a fish dinner for three guys, so not a bad deal. Not oh, I didn't how share mine. Is it to pull now? Oh, it's over. They're shutting down uh, launches and shit. That's yeah, that, that's a. Well, I want to say they said it was like two, this is two days ago, it was two foot below in that last rain 
what was that? At least that was like twenty four hour rain we just had. That was wow. an intense, intense. I know, but... here, I know here last night, like after, like late, late, like two in the morning. Uh, apparently, my wife said it was raining cats and dogs. I was passed out, hardcore passed out. Uh, I wasn't raking up for shit, but she said it was really bad. It woke her up. Yeah. My wife and I, we had to get out of the house today. So we went and drove around the local lake up to uh, uh, the Golden Run Access area. And the lake is its higher than Summer Pool, I'll tell you that much. It's almost up to the road going through Golden Access or Golden Run. That gained 10 foot in like a week and a half. Yes. Dude, Easy. Probably closer to 15. Yeah. It rained hard. Same. We're screwed till August on our river then? Uh, probably. <laughs> no, that's crazy how we could go from a deficit to, you know, in a blink of an eye. Because that was, that was two weeks ago we were 11 foot below summer pool. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're, now we're two to three above it, so. so. That lake does take on a lot of water, though. It has two decent-sized tributaries coming into it. It does. And with the amount of rain that we got, it, it was just crazy. So, but Oh, hey. yeah. You want to talk about crazy? I was pumping it out of my basement this morning pretty pretty good. I know all this high wind knocked some shingles off my back uh, uh, shed. Got to fix that again tomorrow. The wind's still whipping out there. It is. Oh, it just started at about... 10 or so, and we're, I don't know, 40 mile per hour potentially today, I think. Yeah. I tried flying a kite. Kite shredded. <laughs> it was too aggressive for the kite. I, I thought about it. Uh, so we had a pretty good mail day this, uh, this week from uh, a recent guest, Mickey Grant. He sent us a bunch of flies. And since you guys aren't here, I'm going to hold them up to the camera for you. This is one he called the 10-minute okay. mi okay. minnow. Yep. He said he catches trout and smallmouth on that guy. That's a pretty sweet fly. Um, and if you notice, he ties them all in the colors that we like. This was uh, his, oh, yeah. his Yaba craw. So it's like a crayfish with mm -hmm. just a bunch of rubber legs on it. That's going to catch some fish. Then the, uh, the mocha... Something, a little cart bug that he was talking about with the the foam discs. Mm -hmm. So they they stick up in the air, kind of, kind of like the hybrid fly, but just more foamy. Uh, a little damselfly nymph on a hook, uh, upturned like that. That thing's gonna work good. And then here here you go, Mark. This is the the Buford. Tied with a moose beard. Oh, nice! This stuff is moose beard. Yeah, it's stiff. It, it's like a you took deer hair and put hairspray on it. Huh. So that's pretty cool. It's gonna be a good one to fish. It's a big single in like brown. Yeah, it looks good through here. Yeah. So we want to thank Mickey for that. Nice. Thanks, Mickey. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. And he said enough that we can share them, so it's all good. I think we were talking about that too, and having a box maybe where, you know, if you're going out, yeah. if you go out, whatever, if we're all together, just take it with us. If we community can, box, if we can get together. 
<laughs> That's called the All Star bo- All Star Box, man. Yeah, man, it's good getting your boys in a box and bringing them along with you. Uh, you guys, you said some pictures earlier with them flies that you tied, Jed, that weird-looking blue thing. Yeah, I tied those. That took all, all freaking day. <laughs> there were six articulated flies. Um, hey, babe, your tablet died. <laughs> oh, it's been charged. But, uh, yeah, there were six articulated flies with uh, uh, that goofy synthetic that I bought from the fly shop that wasn't labeled. So I don't know what I used for the head. Sure. But the back was just basically a woolly bugger, and the front was a woolly bugger with that goofy-ass head. Hi, Dave. Aren't they all basically woolly buggers? Basically. That, that's they what they started out as. Mm-hmm. And they grow, and then they grow wings and shit and start flying. Wings and rubber legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Have rubber legs. So, do we have anything we want to hit on the rest of this first uh, the first segment, or should we get going and make a new meeting and uh, invite Tim in? No, yes, I got to say one thing. Okay, yeah. everybody on social media, it's cool and all to post pictures all the time. Let's make sure they're of quality. A <laughs> little bit of quality would be great. Numbers don't mean shit. That's just how it goes. But outside of that, social distancing, blase, blase, it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, don't don't make it seem like you're the first person ever went outside and did a little bit of fishing. I've been doing this shit since 84. That was the, you know, the year I was in my mom's system. I was fishing then. So when I get a good picture, you fuckers will see it. And I hope you feel the same way. Let's do it all together and do it good. Congrats. Uh, to not echo. My pep talks are never good. To, and I'm to, a terrible teacher, but woo-hoo, everybody, let's keep her going good. To not echo Jay's. I want to see everyone get outside. If you have all you have is a cell phone, take a picture. Let us know. I, I love seeing people get outside and sharing the experience. And that's what it's about, I think. I was bitching at my wife for sharing a, too much of my experience the other day. <laughs> put that shit up on Facebook, babe. Leave that shit alone. I don't even care. I don't want to see it. So... Alrighty, guys. Well, I'm going to end this, and then we can uh, start a new meeting and invite old Tim in. And we are back with Tim Ponsloff from Spayco Reels. What's happening, Tim? What's going on, brother? Not much. Thanks so much for having me on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, no, this is totally our pleasure. Uh, like I said, once uh, once everything settles back down, we're going to have to have you back on because tonight's been a shit show. But uh, I'm ready for this. Let's have some fun, man. So yeah, cool, dude. Yeah, Tim, can uh, can you give us a little bit of a history on you? Did uh, like your your background in fishing and how you got into machining? Yeah, um, well, I've always been a fisherman since a little kid. It's all I've ever wanted to do. I don't know. We spent so much time in northern Wisconsin fishing for everything that had scales on it, and. yeah, I know that you said it in the question, what came first, Spaco or fly fishing? And it was definitely fly fishing, man. I got into it when I was really young, actually fly fishing for muskies. So it's really cool that this kind of caught on now. I mean, it was, how you know, 30 years ago I started trying to do that. It was incredible. You know, now it seems to be pretty mainstream, man, which is cool. 
hey, just a little plug for next week. We're having Brad Bowen, another Wisconsinite. Come oh, on. Oh yeah, show. Brad's a cool dude, man. Yeah, he runs an outfit on um I think the Flambeau River. That river's pretty sweet. Yeah, man. One day we'll get to fish it, I hope. Oh yeah, come on over. I would love to have you guys. I mean it's you know, I I don't really drive that far because I got the Bay Green Bay right here. So no reason to drive way far away when I have like a mega fishery filled with just tons of big fish, man. You know, it's, it's great. So uh, being the the leader of Spayco Reels, what, what do you like to chase the most? <sighs> probably Atlantic salmon, I think are probably my favorite. I mean... I really like them all. You know, we go through so many different seasons in Wisconsin that it's, you know, we can pretty much fish year round. Um, I really like them all, man. Steelhead are great. I like any fish that are pre-spawn. Pre, you know, any any pre-spawn fish are the hardest fighting fish, no question. Maybe a little bit harder to take. Um, but, you know, once you've done, I mean, I've been swinging flies around here since I've been a little kid, so... You know, there's always something to fish for. I mean, I even like, you know, catching carp on the fly, great, dig muskies, smallmouth in rivers. I mean, I mean, if it's got scales, man, I, I like to chase it. We actually have a really good sheephead fishery around by us, too, which is it's incredible fun, man. Lots and lots of fish and just lots of catching, you know. So when you go sheephead fishing, do you put one of your three and a half inch reels on and let it zing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of course. I'm like a <laughs> prototype testing dude. You know, I'm not gonna go out and fish someone else's reels. You know. So, <laughs> so do the Atlantic. Go for it, Mark. Yeah. What's what? Uh, what part do the Atlantic salmon run? Are they in conjunction with steelhead? Or are they a little earlier? Uh, yeah, there's some crossover at the steelhead. Once the steelhead get post spawn, then the Atlantic's so kind of be dropping back from last winter is similar to like our browns you know the hold over in the winter over in the rivers and then they kind of put kind of like a black salmon but then as soon as the steelhead get done spawning excuse me we'll get a run the, the, the fresh you know the summer run ones and then they stay in all summer right and um, pretty much targetable they start to kind of get into that spawning round like usually in like october-ish time frame you know and then they're you know i i I always leave spawning fish alone i don't don't dig fishing spawning fish you know i usually skip it you know and just wait till either fish and pre-spawn wait till they're done spawning and then you know chase them after post-spawn bites on everything on the swung bug is always the easiest target you know very are you fishing in with the same steel, like flies as a steelhead, or are they completely separate flies? Um, yeah, no. Um, I'm a big floating line guy. I mean, I, I do fish the Skagit stuff, but I really dig like the Scandi work. It's just I like to fish, you know, floating line, long taker, leaper leaders with the, you know, with like sunk bug. Or um, my favorite way is just you know, skate them with like muddlers or little, you know, little uh, bait fish style patterns that are just small. You know, Atlantics are pretty. They don't, they don't, you know, small flies. It's kind of small, fast fish, you know, like they're they're really aggressive and they're real fast feeders. Similar to like our brown trout when they run as well. They're very surface orientated, like speed presentation. And then as the season starts to get the water temperatures get colder, you kind of got to go 
bigger, deeper sinking tips, all that kind of jazz, you know. But I would definitely rather fish a, a Scandi presentations, touch go, fish fast. Ah. So how is the Atlantic uh, fishery in comparison to like the steelhead and the salmon, uh, population wise? Um. Yeah, it seems to be good, man. Um. Yeah, I mean, Great Lakes right now. I, I'm I'm hoping we're gonna see something like we had going around in like you know in the 80s and stuff when there's just you know I'm always always positive that the bait fish population is gonna come back. We've been seeing a lot of lot of really big fish now these last few years, so it's kind of nice sign seeing the smelt population come back, which is another real positive. You know, we had some real small spinning fish. You know. Um, there's a bait fish crashed and we had a huge die off all the king salmon. It was, it was pretty sad. We were seeing huge numbers of tons of big fish and all of a sudden it, it just shut off and there's the runs just kind of went away maybe seven years ago ish, you know, somewhere around there. But now it seems to be coming back. We're in a lot of smelt. And so that's kind of a positive. Are smelt the main forage fish? Well, they alewife were for a while, but the biologists were telling me it's kind of like eating celery, dude. You can only live on celery for so long, you know? And, uh, so a lot of, you know, the, the fish that they were finding were stuffed with bait, but had quote unquote starved to death, you know, malnutrition and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great. The smelt were kind of our, you know, our natural prey in the lake. And it'd be great to have huge runs of smelt again. You know, and uh, I just have a really good feeling that that would, uh, I, you know, again, I'm I'm just always trying to stay positive, man. That's just me. Hey, staying positive. If you're gonna live on celery, you have to have some uh, vodka and tomato juice. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to put some peanut butter on it, right? Like and some raisins. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, frogs on a lug. Let's uh, let's get into Spaco a little bit, man. How did uh? Yeah, how, sure, no worries. How'd that get started? Well, believe it or not, man, I had saved up some money to buy a fishing reel, and I got outbid on eBay. And uh, I didn't really know how to work computers or anything. My buddy Matt came over, and we kept on trying to win, like, this old click and Paul reel, and I got outbid a couple times, and I just got frustrated. So I said, I'm just going to build reels. And uh, I don't know. Believe it or not, I mean, I took out a MC Hammer notebook, knew nothing about machining at all, and just basically drew it up in scale. And um, the first, quite a few failed, you know, they weren't really good. And then, um, you know, maybe by like the third or fourth reel that I had built, it started to get a little bit better. And um, yeah, it, like I said, it just, I, I needed a reel for me. Yeah, that was the reason I didn't really want to start up a fly fishing reel company and then uh, it took me quite a few months maybe like three months to build you know it's like a handful like 25 or so and those sold like literally overnight it was amazing like i had sold those in like two weeks and then it's pretty much really almost been a waiting list since then you know so 13 years ago now just crazy you know just kept um, on adding new models and things, you know. I was going to say, what uh, what changes have you made, you know, through the generations to get to where you're at now? Um, 
secrets, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, when I first started, I just made salmon reels, like, you know, spay reels. And uh, the bamboo guys wanted me to start making little trout reels. So um, I didn't really know much about trout fishing. I'm kind of more of a musky and steelhead salmon type of dude, you know. So I asked on this Clark's Classic Forum back in the day. And um, they, I asked them what they wanted, you know. I'm like, I don't really trout fish, so just tell me what you want. And they said they basically want... Um, they basically wanted to purr. <laughs> so the biggest change is when, kind of when I started introducing it, like as I was inventing this little three inch trout reel, oh man, now everybody's dinging in. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, when I was inventing this trout reel, I, I wanted it to sound like a cat and you know, like a purr, you know? And um, so then I kind of came up with this hexad system, which is basically like a, a six base check against a gear. So now the reels like, like on my four inch salmon reels, you'll have, you know, every time it goes around once it has this 168 checks. So it's like really, really smooth with no startup and real reliable. Cause it's not like each one of the little checkers isn't really doing a lot, but in conjunction with them all, it's very smooth and it's just got a nice, even buttery feel to it and i i i did a i did a run of like some some little three three and seven ace salmon reels to kind of introduce it at first the circle scores, <laughs> you know just to kind of test it out and see you know what guys thought of it and that and uh the reviews all gave, came back great it's it's almost indestructible which is the coolest thing i never have to repair anything it's i mean it's just it's amazing it's just keeps on running and you know um which is fun so that that check system is in the the click and paul drag that you're talking about correct yep yeah there's a yeah there's a yeah basically a, a gear with a series of checks that point in towards center to basically you know slow up the spool i mean really when you're double hand fishing you don't really need anything you know just a little bit more than over spooling if you do anything more than that what will happen is when you're when you're swinging the bug through the run, the steelhead will come up or the salmon or whatever, and it'll come up and grab your bug. And if you don't have any give in that take, they'll feel that hook. And then instantly they come up and they start shaking their head. You know, like with a disc drag, you almost have to shut the thing off. And, you know, you have it a very, very low drag. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, a clicker reel, dude, it's the way to go. I mean, I, I always, uh, you know, always always use the clicker drag and i i had a, i had a fancy reel for a little while well, it wasn't fancy it was like a fenwick reel it had a disc drag on it back in the day and i just kept on missing fish and finally my buddy was just like your drag is way too high and so and really at that point i'm like i don't even fish it anymore because you know cold and warm and you're finally have the drag almost off why even have it and then it's no fun either i mean with a click drag it's like it's exciting when they take and they jump out of the water and you can hear the reel zinging it's just this is cool you know i mean this drag i don't know it's just boring you know <laughs> if they don't make any noise i mean what's the point <laughs> you know? so i got a question for you uh being from wisconsin yeah. you deal with a lot of cold weather right how how does yeah. the disc disc drag 
handle the cold weather? Does it freeze up or anything? Or how reliable is it in the cold? It'd be the disc drag or like or yeah, mine. The click and unstoppable. Dude. I, I I have not really been able to stop the reels in any type of testing cold. I mean, it. I don't want to say like. I mean, I can freeze the spool to the frame, but I mean, if you push at it hard enough, you can kind of crack that loose and it keeps on working. You know, so it doesn't really. It's all physical drag. It's it's like a mechanical drag. So. It, doesn't really rely on you know most of the most of the disc drags rely on either a one-way clutch that's exposed you know so you have an advancement clutch or you have a sealed system so really either one of those two you introduce any water to it and then those roller clutches will freeze and go into free spool but you know like i said man i i, I can't figure out a way to stop it i mean i've I fished my reels and it's cold i mean 15 20 degrees we i was with some of the testing i would throw it in buckets and then throw it down in the concrete for 10 15 minutes and let it freeze there i did that for hours i i couldn't figure out a way to really get it to stop one day my son and i we froze it in a block and put it inside of the inside of a freezer for a couple hours i mean that that did it you know but i mean that's not real we were just having fun you know <laughs> it wasn't a real scientific test, you know, and like, but yeah, you know, it, it just, it's always seemed to work, you know? So it, I got a few questions on some of the reels here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just goes into building one. You, you sit down, you, you draw something out. Uh, you, you make some custom reels, right? You put different plates on the front for. Yep. Yeah. It, it's all, it's all custom. So basically this is the way it works. Like, so the reels weights are flexible. So you see all these different brasses and titaniums and stainlesses. I mean, a lot of the finishes and things are just fluff, you know, like just they want a picture on there or something killer or just, you know, like a specific look maybe to match a rod. But a lot of times what I like to do is the clients will give me a weight, you know, because there was such a, you know, like back in the day, everybody's just like, well, what real weighs the right to balance out a rod? And the the weights were all over the place. One guy would be like, oh, a nine ounce, a 10 ounce, a 12. I mean, it was literally had such a great swing. What I came up with is you can basically get the right balance point when a double hander. So what you do is you take a reel that you know is too light and the tip is falling down. You don't want your tip to be falling in the river all day. You want that tip to kind of be light. So you take a baggie and you put it in between the reel foot and the and and the reel and then start adding crap in there like i don't know pennies and quarters and stuff and then weigh that whole apparatus once it balances once it balances out on four fingers at your side then that's the ideal weight so a lot of the clients will just say hey dude i need a reel you know that weighs 13 and a half ounces and i build that 13 and a half ounce reel for them and you know they've ordered reels and they know they all kind of look cool so they give me a little bit of artistic liberty on how I can hit that. I mean, sometimes we'll set up reels for like Bruce and Walker rods that are 17, 18 feet long. So the real, the, you know, the real weight, 24, 25 ounces before it balances out that monster, you know, and it's just, I start machining out brass and whatever they need to get to that weight, you know? And so, so on a, just so let's say not a, you know, just an average build, what, what's a time on a reel? How long does it take from scratch to finish? You mean from, yeah, I mean, that, that depends. I mean, 
I got pretty far behind. I, I ran into some health problems here this last this last summer, so I've been a little bit sick. Um, so we're still trying to dig out, you know. But my clients are so cool; they don't really, you know. I mean, I know a lot of the customer builds can be, you know, like some of the other guys. You know, they can be years out, man. It's crazy, you know. I when things were running normally, I usually got most reels out within a month, month and a half, you know. Um, sometimes faster. You know, a lot of times if like a customer will call me and they need something fast, it's always kind of cool because I can just be like, we can be walking around the shop and saying, yeah, dude, I got this or yeah, I have this in stock and it just needs assembly. That's a lot faster than, you know, if I need something specific or a custom spool or custom colors or engraving. And, you know, I mean, the more you add to it, it's just the longer it takes. I mean, Sometimes they go together really quickly and sometimes they fight you tooth and nail. I mean, like from the second I'm cutting the billet up, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I, I never really like to say, and most people really don't bug too much about how long it takes me to do my stuff, you know, which is kind of nice, you know? So what are a couple, uh, like one offs that you could remember that maybe may have been some of your favorite reels that you've made? Oh, um, yeah. Like I had one, it was called the Frankenspay and, um, uh, I just don't like to be wasteful. I mean, I don't really throw anything out. So one day I was in the saw and I accidentally saw uh, like the, the saw blade started going and it started to cut at a, you know, kind of a parabola. And the second side, when I was cleaning up the second side of all these frames, it was still had saw marks and it was quite a few, maybe like, like 10 reels or so. Right. And it was 10, you know, fully functional frames i'm like wow this is a bummer and i really just kind of threw those aside and then i kind of came up with the thought of like hey i could you know pop those all back in the manual make, machine that away and make a larger plate so then i made something this called the frankenspay and it was basically just utilizing those frames that weren't 100 percent cleaning up and i could just utilize them you know that was kind of a cool build i mean I've, i don't know dude i've built I don't know. I mean, really, every reel is almost like a you know, new project, a new day. Yeah, I try to make it special. You know, there's a lot of reels that are just just for one client, and people ask, and I'll tell them no. You know, that's the hits his reel. Let's come up with something cool for you too. You know, there's no reason that everybody needs to be running around with the same thing. You know, if they're into something specific, or they got a charity event, or their like favorite band, or whatever. You know, we try to come up with something fun. You know, something unique you know like to me i i don't know man building custom reels you might as well make them custom right so you're, you're probably getting some uh some pretty cool pictures sent in oh, from customers <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just put out a post on facebook the other day they cut me off at 80 i swear to god i probably could have put 700 photos Many customers send me stuff from all around the world, just like killer big, huge Atlantics and stuff, and just beautiful chrome steelhead kings. And all I mean, it's just amazing. My customers are, I mean, I mean, they're not even really my customers, they're just my friends, man. You know, I just build reels for people that become my friends, you know, and I and they treat me in kind, you know, like they want me to come there and fishing, and they, they take the time and just send me cool photos because they know I love it. You know, I love getting photos in the 
email or messenger or whatever they send it to me every day <laughs> you know and it's like keeps me happy you know because i love to see big steelheads and stuff and it's it's cool because then i can see what's going on or all around the world right and i mean you got, I can you see, got your own little uh self self instagram there real exactly. instagram yeah exactly and be like wow the fish are running in norway right now you know, or while wow, the, the, the runs on in Sweden, I can tell when the fish come in on the West Coast and on the East Coast. And it's awesome. You know, it's kind of, you know, and they, you know, most of the time what I, what I, I don't like to share where, like, like rivers or time frames. A lot of times I kind of save them up until after the season over and then I'll post them because, I mean, people follow my stuff from all around the world. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, oh, yeah. here and all of a sudden there's people starting to show up bugging my friends, you know, so I want to, so usually I wait till after the, the fact. The guy blew the spot in uh, Norway from Wisconsin. Yeah, all the way from Wisconsin to blow the spot. Exactly, man. Like, I don't want to blur out the background because, I mean, sometimes, you know, the, the photos are beautiful, mountains and stuff. You don't want to be blurring those things out. But, you know, but it's, it's a little different over there, though, man. They don't have, like really the freedoms that we have you know like when they come here to visit me they're kind of astounded like how we can just go and like oh yeah we'll just go drive over here and go fishing over here and they they're just amazed that we have the freedoms just to go and fish like we do there and it's not like that around like everywhere in the world but i mean some of this place they have to you know buy a pass for the day and the specific pool and then they can fish from here to there and and they have like rotations and stuff. It's, it's really, this is different. You know, it'd be, you know, it's kind of nice that it's not crowded, but a little bit more expensive. And, but, you know, quality, quality fishing in areas where everybody wants to go, it's understandable. You know, these landowners have to pay a ton of money in taxes to have water. So the majority of all these passes and things are just going to the landowners so they can pay the government to keep the, the chunk of land which is amazing. You know, I mean, they charge a lot, but they get taxed a lot in accordingly. you know, it's kind of what they're telling me. So they aren't, the landowners aren't really getting rich from selling passes, you know? So, the, so outside of, outside of, uh, other people's fishing, how about, how about some experiences from you? Where, where have you traveled to showcase some of your reels and, and oh. maybe touch, touch some fish you, you really want to talk about? Um, I kind of a homebody, man. I, I really am. I mean, I get all these invites to going all around the world. I, I haven't really done so yet. I mean, I do always plan to, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I fish a lot, a lot around the great lakes. I mean, two years ago or so I was running like three businesses in Spaco and I just didn't really have a whole lot of time raising a family. We homeschooled our kids and stuff. So, I mean, we're always, I was always just really busy. I couldn't really go flying around the world fishing. Um, we did, you know, like some of our ambassadors and stuff, like my son and I, but two years ago we went to Utah. That's where we're supposed to be in a couple of weeks, but this virus thing kind of put a kibosh to that. You know, we were going to go up fish the green with, you know, float that river, which would have been super rad. And we got a couple other trips planned and we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that this virus will kind of, subside here quick and they'll open the canadian border up because we wanted to take a few trips up you know do some atlantic salmon fishing and you know maybe maybe go this year you know but we'll have to see how it goes you know i don't want to do anything anything dangerous or anything that's going to be you know causing anybody any harm you know and if i just got a fish around the great lake 
whatever. You know, we got some pretty good fishing around here for sure. You know, when you when you go up to Canada, are you fishing like Gas Bay for Atlantic? Or are you fishing Great Lakes Atlantic? Great Lakes Atlantic around here, yeah. No, no. Yeah. When when you go up to Canada. Oh, when we go up to Canada, um, yeah, I think we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, again, man, I talking to a real builder. I mean, I, I, I I'm going, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to Canada fishing Atlantic salmon somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, I want to say flexible, and I would never say because I mean, I know trust a couple me, of spots. I got, yeah, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of my clients. Water. I would never, yeah, I would never say, you know, they they tell me and they say, hey, come and fish, and you know, I would never say where where we're going. And, so, are you talking I mean, fresh or salt water? Salt water one. Salt water, yeah. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, we, again, it's just one of those things that you gotta you gotta keep your clients in confidence, man. They want I want them to know that they can send me a photo, and I'm not gonna say anything to anybody. I mean, I have spots around the Great Lakes that I would never dare tell anybody about. You know, there's nobody there fishing, so why would I want to ruin it? You oh. know, you start telling people where it is, and all of a sudden there'd be people, and I don't. Yeah, you know, you gotta, I, mean, I like to. I like to promote it, but you know, like some of the spots, I, I just don't. You know what I mean? I, I'm kind of that guy. I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I just would hate to have a client sitting back, saying, "Well, I better not share something with him because he might just post it on his Instagram account and use it for self promotion more so than something that just be, you know." Sounds like it sounds like a trick. It's like a trick I use. I don't catch nothing when I go with my buddies. I don't want them to know my ninja skills. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I swing flies, dude. We never catch anything. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to catch fish, I'd pull up the spawn and bobbers, you know. But I, I I'm over that, you know. That that was when I was a little kid, you know. Like it was pretty hilarious. Like my first steelhead, I was I was by my buddy's house, and I was telling him that I thought I caught a world record trout. You know, because at that prior to that time, I didn't know about Great Lakes salmon and steelhead, and so we had just fished like little rivers and things. And his dad's sitting in the background laughing, and uh, he's like, "Come on, guys, I'm gonna go show you something." It was literally it was the most hilarious thing. We jumped in his truck, we drove ten miles down the road, we went below this dam, and every cast below this dam spawned bobber, right? I mean, it would make it 15 feet, boom, down, another steelhead. Boom. He's like, here's another world record, and he's throwing them back in, just making fun of me. But I was just a little kid, man. I was like 12, you know, 13 years, 12 years old, I think, and, and I didn't know. You know, I just caught this humongous, you know, I mean, it was huge, man. It was a Great Lakes steelhead, you know, probably a 12-pound fish, you know, and that in comparison to, like, little, you know, little trout and things that we had caught, it, it was amazing, you know. But yeah, you know, like I don't know. I just I was just never really into using spawn and those things. You know, I was just like catching the fish on fly. It was always my gig, you know. Just not saying it's you know, guys can do whatever they wanna, you know, but for me I I don't know. Hey, are you out fishing yet this season for spring steelhead or um no, I, I have not not yet. I will. They'll be done spawning soon. It's cool. I'm a pretty patient guy. I mean, the, the steelhead run really, you know, to pull spawn, you, you know, we're out, you know, we're talking to mid-June, so. Yeah, you guys' water is definitely a little 
colder yeah, for man. longer and than it's ours. Like it's way the walleyes are just barely coming in right now. It's too early. I mean, so the steelhead are coming in. Water's going to be high. It's going to be cold. I mean, you could beat your head against the wall, swing through there, maybe pick up a pre-spawner here and there, but it's pretty tough. And then they do really do go right onto the reds and. And during that time, who wants to fish out a bunch of redding fish? The A there and fun, it's just unethical. So then um, I just always kind of patiently wait till all the idiots go away or all the, the really cool people go away. And then, um, you know, I, then I head down after the rivers are bare of dudes, you know, and just being a little bit patient, waiting till they're done with. I mean, right now it'd be shoulder to shoulder guys. And if you're swinging flies, you need space to go and swing. So if there's a guy there, what are you going to do? You're going to go you fish for a little bit and reel everything up and get around him and go and then fish for a little bit and reel. It just doesn't, there's no practicality. So, you know, so you just wait till the, the fish are post spawn and that'll happen, you know, and they, they hang around by me for quite a while. And the further North I go, the better it gets, you know, the longer the runs last and things. So, Hey Tim, so you're running in, running uh, into Jace, the hold on, Jace, Jace, the... hold on, Jace, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Tim, we got we're rolling up on our forty minutes. Do we want to uh, cut this off? Yeah, and, dude, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm just, cut I'm this just off hanging and, out. If you guys would mind, I don't care. And we'll start another uh, start another meeting up. Sure. Alrighty, we'll we'll do that. All right, we're back. That break has been brought to us by the thespaycompany.blogspot.com. And if that's wrong, the link will be in our comments at the end of the show. Go check it out, guys. Tim, what's happening, man? We just had some good conversations about some wild fish. Can I? Yeah, man. Can we get back into that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking, you know, kind of about some of the, you know, the brown trout as they're running in, you know, like kind of following me through their progression. You know, they'll, at least around in my area, they usually start to show up around in September. And um, those are the, pre-spawn they're real chrome they're real surface orientated so you can kind of throw on skaters or big modelers that just kind of wake underneath the surface they're very aggressive you know and then we uh fish them at you know nighttime you know it's always a pretty good time to go out to because there's nobody ever on the rivers so then we can kind of kind of fish them like you would on like spring creeks for like hexes and those type of things where you're you know then they again they get into that that spawning mode and then we usually just leave them alone and then um i don't know late october i suppose they start to drop off the beds and then we start kind of pulling out some of the skagit stuff and going larger flies you know like a four inch lawn bad hair day or you know like a big huge sculpting or something that's really going to get their attention and you know they're pretty cool fish i mean where are you guys located i don't even know i mean do you guys have runs of browns and stuff or uh we are about an hour south of Lake uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. So we fish the Lake Erie tribs, and there are some um, some brown trout that run through there. Yeah, there are runs of brown trout in there as well. It's mixed with salmon. Or not salmon, sorry, steelhead. Oh, cool. Yeah, you guys don't really have too many of the salmon in Lake Erie, right? That's pretty much steelhead. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, they did. When I was a kid, that's what we caught growing up, was a lot more salmon. Uh, but throughout the years, it's all just turned into basically just a steelhead fishery. Which I have a feeling that's what the lake is going to turn into eventually across the board. I mean, steelhead just eat so much less. Um, 
the salmon are pretty gluttonous fish. I mean, I like, I love king salmon when they're chrome. They're some of the most exciting, hard to catch on the swing and, and finding them where they're chrome, dime bright and willing to come and eat a swung fly is special. You know, I've maybe only got uh, maybe 20 or so on the swing like that. I mean, that's, they're, they're a lot harder than the rest of the fish, but they're strong and they're just a cool fish. They're, they're my favorite ones. And I'd be sad to see them go, but you know, you got to take one for the team, man. If there's not bait enough to feed them, it's better to have a sustainable fishery that would be steelhead, you know, steelhead just seem to be just a better fish for the lake. They don't seem to eat as much, you know, they a little bit more diverse. They'll get on bugs and stuff and they don't, you know, always want to eat bait, you know. Did, did the Kings play any part in the crash in the eighties with the bait fish? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, well, it, that's what the salmon were put in there to do. So it's kind of mission accomplished. I, I have a personal theory. I mean, I think it was, you know, in the eighties, it was pretty crazy, you know, um, and that really lasted almost up until like maybe two thousand six, and everything was pretty good. Um, and then around that time, you know, we started seeing some of these zebra mussels really show up. My time frame might be a little bit off, um, but then we also got this other disease in the lake. And again, this is my own personal theory. I don't know, but there was this uh, VHS disease. I don't know if you guys were familiar with that. Or figured it, it was uh, this disease kind of got in the lake, and it 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 came out of the they they say out of the Wisconsin hatcheries, and it traditionally just affected rainbows but then we seen some kind of crossover into some of our native species so we were seeing muskies and um even some of the, like i said the the sheep head and seeing sores and stuff on the fish and right around that same time maybe about a year or two later once that disease they kind of identified it I, some of my friends at the you know they're biologists or whatever were saying they saw they were seeing this weird disease for a few years and they didn't exactly know what it was and um yeah so that that disease kind of got in the lake and i think that just kind of on top of the zebra mussels cleaning up so much of the of the zoo you know of the phytoplankton i believe is what the zebra mussels you know kind of cleared out the lake and yeah, the the lake when i was a kid used to be kind of like this green amber type of color and now man you can you can see down in the stuff like it's like Lake Superior, dude. It's like super clear. I mean, you can see 25 feet on a clear day. You can see bottom with no problem. It used to not be like that. It was like kind of like this dingy green color and, you know, which I, again, I, I think that was just all the nutrient value in the lake that might've potentially gotten sucked out by these, these bottom feeding zebra mussels, now this guava mussels or whatever, I guess those are taking over and the zebra mussels kind of on the decline and this, this new mussels on a, on the incline. But, you know, it's just like anything else. It, it'll just, just like this virus thing, it'll run its course and then the lake is going to come back just like it did before. I've seen cycles like this before as well. And um, I'm just kind of hoping this high water it has something you know, of value to add to the lake because back in the eighties, this water was this high and um, we saw tons of bait. Now water's back up again. Now we're starting to see more bait. So just me being the optimist, I'm hoping that, 
you know, this is what the lake likes to have because we went through some really low water for a while. I mean, I mean, it's what you guys know. I mean, the lakes were just low, you know. I guess I got this thing back and forth on. Hey, Tim, I, I have a real cr- question for you because we had mentioned yeah. uh, saltwater, freshwater a little bit ago before the break. Um, yeah. I work on trucks every day and I know what happens to aluminum when it's in the salt and in the, the road grime. What, yeah, yeah. what do you need to do to protect a reel that you fish in the salt? Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, it's it just just like any like just like how they do it in any other ones. I mean, just you go to the full anodized, you know, like hard coat hard coat black three is pretty much indestructible in the salt water. So, you know, like some of the guys that like to fish bonefish and stuff on my reels, that's what we that's how we build the reels for them. You know, it's custom shop. So, if they if they think it's going to be used in the salt water, even into the brackish or whatever else, you know anodize it you know because i got all sorts of crazy processes and things that i do you know and it's just like any other fishing reel man it you just like if you're going to be in the salt water you gotta you gotta clean your stuff man you know i mean you have to clean it you know if you take your any salt any reel and you don't do proper maintenance and just leave the salt water sit there and, and corrode it apart it's gonna cause issues right and because little barnacles and stuff will start to grow on it because salt water is, you know, living, you know, so it'll kind of attach itself and start to attack and galvanic responses and things. So, yeah, as far as I know, I don't know, never really had a problem with, like, getting them back from saltwater corrosion and those type of things. But, you know, I would say probably 90% of my reels, 99.95% of them, guys are swinging flies in fresh water. You know, it's kind of what I designed them to do. But, you know, I know guys, like, they really enjoy catching bonefish on them. Send me videos and stuff and just... (laughs) These things just peel in, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know? So you, you did say you make a series of like two and a half, two and smaller reels for, let's say like two, three way trout fish and bamboo. Glass. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I was, I was, <clears throat> my only trout fishing was really on glass rods. So yeah, I'm down with that program, you know, um, I got, I make reels. I mean, for like a so, three inch, three inch, 3.25, 3.5, three and three quarter, and then a couple different sizes of four inches, and then I have my big four and a quarters. That the four and a quarter ones are kind of like a special run. I mean, when I first started building rails, maybe like you know, like 12 years ago, the rods were a lot heavier and stuff. So now I'm constantly kind of slimming things down to try to get into this new ultra light weight, you know. Um, these new nano graphites and things that they've come out with. And, um, you know, the rods have just gotten lighter and lighter, just like anything else. So I kind of just try to stay up with the times, but like I said, I just customers send me what they want, what they want the weight. And I, I try to do my best to hit that weight within a half ounce either way. And you know, usually a half ounce heavier is ideal. You know, do you have to find yourself using different metals to, to change the different densities and get different weights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brass weighs a ton. It's got a bunch of lead in it, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's brass. Yeah. But it's so pretty. Steel, again, and it's somewhere in between titanium is 
somewhere in between aluminum and stainless, you know, so different gravity points, different feet, you know, and if I get a machine out stuff to make it heavier, or lighter, or, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll cut extra porting and reels. I'll, you know, I can kind of pre-weigh everything and, you know, they'll send me the target weight and then I can kind of pre-weigh all the different components and I just know how much I have to add or subtract from there. And I just kind of, because each reel is really custom built for each client so it's not like i have a stockpile of reels pre-done and like brass faces and stuff it's just not practical you know so you know this way i can kind of fill that need as it you know as guys want it and gives them a ton of choices and stuff you know choices of handles and whatever they want you know i mean it's it's kind of kind of makes it interesting it makes my job a lot harder you know it's, it's slower it's putzier you got a lot of extra handwork to do um, so i mean as far as a practical standpoint what i do i think that's really why there's not really many companies that do what i do speak so, too labor intensive you know speaking of that so let's say someone has like a six weight um glass rod for small mount you recommend like a two and three quarter reel for that or a three inch uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, three inch reel. Yeah, I I designed the three inch reel so it kind of balances out like a nine foot five weight graphite, you know. And then we can add, you know, we could go up to the three point two five two. That's somewhere in like a six seven reel, depending what the customer wanna, wants to do. I mean, I really, as silly as it may seem, is like when I'm inventing these reels, I'll take a spay rod, you know, um, and then kind of fit the bill. For that you know like i'll take a 13 foot seven weight and i'm making a reel designing it around that 13 foot seven weight so it balances out and holds the line has enough backing you know because that's kind of my starting point so like my three inch reel i really designed it around a nine foot i mean yeah nine foot five weight graphite fly rod so if you had a glass rod you know and then we just start you know maybe put a brass face on it to add a little bit more weight, you know but even with balancing it out on little single handing stuff is it's not as essential as it is on a double hander i mean if you're if you're if you're tip heavy in a double hander it just sucks you know it's like all day long you're sitting there fighting at that tip i mean if it but if it balances out nice in your hand it just feels good and just you're not sitting there fighting that tip all day long and to me it just it helps with that nice delicate touch that you need you can't really grab these double-handed rods like it's a baseball you know you got to kind of you know three you know just nice nice touch on everything and it helps you know just for me it helps you know um so like my 3.5 is great i'm like a, like an 11 foot 7 switch is real popular you know so that 3.5 was literally designed for that 11 and a half foot 7 way you know you most certainly can put it on a six and you can maybe even push it up to you know a little bit longer you like a like a 12 foot one five way you know you can throw it on there you know so i kind of you know some of these new nano rods like three quarters has been really popular because it has been it just seems to kind of work with a lot of rods that dudes use um you know and then all the four inch ones three different widths carry more line adding more weight you know when i most of the reels that i send overseas over in norway and sweden finland all that atlantic salmon territory they really like that four inch wide you know even on you know some of the atlantic salmon stuff on the east coast too you know they like 
bigger, huge reels. I mean, you know, possibility of getting a 40, 50 pound Atlantic. It's pretty real in some of those areas. And um, you need something, you know, you need serious equipment to catch that fish, man. You know, like most of those guys over there, they won't, they won't go on a river. They'll laugh at a 13 foot seven weight. That isn't a salmon rod over there, dude. Like, you know, it's 15 foot 10 11s, you know, that's what they run. I mean, not even just for a tradition, just for a practicality, you know? Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. I just kind of build whatever the clients want, you know, and spay fishing is kind of uh, kind of like golfing, you know, you kind of have to have your bag of tricks and have your, you know, your switch, your mid-sized rod, your long rod, you know, if you want to go up and actually do it and enjoy yourself, it's nice to have all these different options. So you can kind of, fit the specific situation you know i'm like oh dude i'm gonna go swing this river but it's small it's tight and whatever else so you take out like a little 11 foot you know six seven weight rod and an opst line and you can kind of nip and tuck and fish and swing these areas um where getting in there with a 13 foot rod would just be ridiculous you know you can never even you know you'd be stuck in every tree and branch and and there's a lot of that water as well you know um you don't have to have big, huge water to, to swing it properly. You just need to have hard flowing water in a place where the fish are holding on seams, you know, and that's a lot of water around the Great Lakes. If you really start thinking about it in that manner where you can, you know, if a river's only 25, 30 feet wide, you can still swing a bug on it efficiently and cover water. You're just searching fish out, you know, you just keep on swinging and moving, you know. So, um, you're talking about matching reels to rods. Um, yeah. I, I don't know too awful many custom two hand rod makers. I'm thinking Miser, Berkheimer, uh, yeah. JW Reed, but, uh, yeah. do you find it different to make a reel for one of those rods than for one of the big box rods? Are your reels for the customer? No, not at all. Yeah, no, um, no, not at all. I mean, those guys, you know, you're talking about, you know, Miser and Berkheimer. I mean, those guys are very consistent with their builds. Yeah. Um, you really have to watch the blinks, you know, it can, it can change greatly. Even, you know, like I mean, if you go on the Miser's website, you look, he's got a million different blinks and they're all different. That's why I always encourage that the guys get the rods first. Give me the weight. You know, the reels have a, an immense amount of room on them. You're never going to work. You run out of room. <laughs> You're never going to run out of room. Is that a semi? You guys? <laughs> I don't have any idea what that was. <laughs> it was awesome. I don't know what that was. Um, but uh, oh, my phone vibrated. <laughs> oh, that was what it was. It sounded like a semi. <laughs> I do. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> it looks like you guys are all in the basement as well. I'm like, dang, man. Like, that's... But yeah, no, like, you know, it's, it's just really cool. You guys, if you wanted to get into spay fishing now in comparison to what I had to go through in the 90s, I mean, come on. There's so many cool options, so many cool rod builders, just options from Sage to Thomas and Thomas. I mean, there's so many good, and they're all really good rods. You know, all of them are. They all cast really well. But now we have so many different options with the lines. I mean, James from 
James told me one day, he said, there's 2,000 different <laughs> fly line tapers on the market. And that's not just for spay fishing. That's for all of it, right? 2,000 2, tapers is just, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. So now you can just kind of, you can get everything so dialed. Like back in the day, we didn't have anything. We had nothing. There was no internet. You know, there was no ordering. There was... It was like ooh la la when the real wind cutter came out, you know, like that was like the best thing ever. It was, it was just made casting easy then. And, um, but before that, it really did. It was tough, man. And didn't the wind cutter, didn't you have to cut that to fit your grain window back in the day? No, it, 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 yeah, they had like a multi, you know, like they had a, it was basically a like one piece gadget line and there was some of them it was like you where you had interchangeable it was kind of like the first one where you'd have interchangeable front sink tips but then there was also another one where it was in three pieces where you could take out the midsection and make it a little shorty too which was pretty rad i mean again this was all stuff that you know uh that they you know they basically just guys were just chopping up lines and they were just saying they were doing their best to try to follow along with that the best that they could. I mean, the wind cutter made a big difference in spade casting. And then, I don't know, all of a sudden there was just a flood of it, you know, everybody started to start swinging flies and the more guys started doing it, you know, then like SA and, um, you know, Rio came out with all, you know, all the different, you know, all the scattered heads and all the, you know, then the Scandinavian guys, they started piling on. So then you have all these scanty cuts and now there's, you know, different densities and it's, it's amazing. I, I can see why when people are getting into it, they like to seek out guys like me because it is daunting. I mean, what do you buy? You know what I mean? And a lot of the, you know, a lot of like the fly shops don't carry everything. It's almost impossible and what do you do? Order up a bunch of lines, and if it doesn't work with your rod, then you're kind of stuck with it. So it's always nice to ask. You know, we we've, we've been rolling with the OPST company lately. I've I've really I found a a lot of useful applications for that line, and far even past just skagit casting, where you're putting the floating tips on. They have like, you know, ten and twelve and fourteen foot tips. I mean, Edward's a genius. You know, I mean, it's and it's apparent when you cast those lines they are awesome they're just they cut through everything they turn over flies you can you can kind of do everything with it it's almost like a skagit head but then you put the floating tip on it and then all of a sudden you have something that's similar to a scanny almost like a scando head at that point but if you want to just take that tip off and throw a, a sinking tip on it and you can kind of switch to big bugs you know, but it isn't the be all end all, you know, it isn't the only line that you would need, you know, but it's a nice, again, bag of tricks that you can utilize. I mean, every, I think any rod 13 feet to down the single handed work, yes, has an option for that. Um, but once you start to go over that 13 foot mark and starting to go into like longer heads, you know, when you get into the 14, 15, 16 foot spay rods, you know, then it's better to go to something like a, you know, like a 70 foot head, you know, and again, there's tons of options. Now, not a ton of options, but there's, you know, like the old, you know, real mid space or the, the name's kind of eluding me. They, um, 
you know, Lee Davison's lines are killer as well. Um, uh, Snake River Outfitters, he makes uh, ballistic spay lines is what that one's called. Those are really nice. Um, I don't know. Um, Next Cast, great casting line. You know, there's there's some pretty cool options out there right now. And it just depends what you want to do with the line. So, hey, Tim, we just got the nine-minute warning on the uh, on this session. So I'm going to fire out a question, maybe just do a hot yeah. round. Between yeah, sure. All of us? Okay. Um, you mentioned catching 40, 50-pound Atlantic salmons on your reels, and you also catch bonefish. Uh, what What's the standard drag tension that you uh, – the reels come at – and is that adjustable at all on a, a click paw drag? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is. I, I kind of, yeah, it it's internally adjustable. So it's not like you really, when you're double-handed, you, you don't start adjusting your drag as you're fighting the fish. It's just you don't, you know. So even those Atlantic salmon guys that are after 40 and 50-pound fish, dude, like if, if I'm sending a reel over in Norway, it's it's – pretty much at maximum drag so they know what they're going to want you know what i mean um but yeah it is it's internally adjustable and then it's nice because then you don't have to fuss around with it it just does its job you know especially for great like like west coast fish and stuff i mean you're not going to sit there and start fuddling around with your drag as you're fighting a fish would be the worst thing you could possibly do you know just kind of use an angle you know using the reel, using the rod, laying your hand on the pool. That's what 99% of them do. So do you, do you have a tension that, that they normally are around? Like, um, no, it's just, it's all kind of a feel thing. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I got I you. Usually, I usually send them out between, between, you know, usually around a four setting, you know, but again, I, I just, over the years, I kind of just became accustomed to what the guys are going to want in specific areas. And, and most of the time, guys don't even mess with them when they get them. They just like, dude, this thing's perfect out of the box and just bang and fishing it. And it's nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? And I always tell guys to like, you know, just fill it up with backing, go out and fish it. If, if you think you need more, then, then start messing with it then. And most of the time, it's usually pretty dialed, you know. It's like I said, you don't want to you, you don't want to have a huge amount of torque drag, you know. The fish will feel that. The fish will feel a hook, dude, and you're screwed. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, you feel the bump, and the first thing they do, they feel that fly and that hook, and they come up right to the top of the water, start shaking their head, they're gone. You lose every fish. It sucks. But when they can kind of take it go down with it and then turn, you just get them downstream bank side pressure and you got them. And, you know, no hook setting or any of this jazz, you know, you just kind of let the fish kind of hook themselves naturally and seeing which way they run, you give them a, you know, you give them a little bit of a sticker and get them, you know, um, at least that's what I found. And that's what guys have told me. And that's like an old trick that I had read from a book and that was written back in the 1800s about swinging bugs and, hasn't changed since that you know, just kind of crazy you know and that was their only option back then you know but so um does does anyone else in this group chat have 
a final question for Tim? I yeah, you know, I mean, I have one more quick question. You know, in, yeah. the, in the musky realm, you know, is yeah. it? Are you just trying the same thing with the size of the reels with the lines? I know a lot of musky guys use a lot smaller reel because they're never really on the reel. I mean, do you are yeah. a lot of guys? Yeah, totally. Musky, yeah, um, I mean, I do. I, I don't want to say it's like a hugely popular musky reel by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, I mean, I I, I totally concur with that. I mean, the like most of the, you know, like like right now, you're going to be out spot fishing musky. You're casting to a target. You know, you're fishing in a river. I mean, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna run around and fight, and you know that's what's kind of fun. My, my favorite thing is, is swing them on a double hander, take out a big Skagit system, just covering water as they're migrating out of the bay. It's just pretty rad. So what I kind mean, of, what kind of fly do you use for that? Um, again, I just ripped off at like bat, at like Dave's bad hair day is the best okay. fly for that. I don't know if you guys know about that bug. It, it's yeah. the best dude. And you can tie it on any size. It's stackable. You know, you can make them any, pretty much any different length. Um, sometimes I will add a, like a foam head on it, but you just slide the foam head down. I mean, just keep everything very, very simple. I'm, I'm not a huge, you know, if anybody really get, you know, after you get to know me, you'd understand, like, I'm, I'm not a big magic fly guy. Just tie in a bug, roll with it. You know, um, I just don't switch up a lot when I'm fishing, especially for muskies, dude. It's like, there is no magic muscle. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, same thing as the salmon and steelhead too. It's like the, you're going to tell me, I mean, when a, when an Atlantic salmon wants to come and eat your bug, it's going to come and eat your bug. It's going to happen. You know, I mean, granted some of them present different, I'm not saying like, having a little bit of a section selection of flies that present different and fish different. That's, that's a different thing. Once you get a fly that's fishing, right. Why would you want to change it? You know, I mean, I, I can't think of a whole lot of, sometimes I will switch to a smaller fly and I'll, I'll, I'll get bit, but really is nothing more than just probably coincidence. I, I don't know. You know, I've had that happen a few times where you go to a smaller bug, you get bit. I'm not so sure that, why that is, you know. This all sounds like a bunch of crazy science to me, but where where do people go to maybe ask you some questions? Is it just the vlog or you got Facebook? How do you, yeah, how do you like operate you, all that? Oh, yeah, totally, man. Like, I'm I'm always reachable. You know, Facebook, just look up Tim Postloff or you go on, like, Spaco, Spaco Reels on Facebook. You can always shoot me a message out through there. You know, there's email links on my site, you know, I and really once you're a customer of mine, we just do most of the things via phone, you know, they just call me and chat about what they actually want. I actually kind of prefer that because not every fisherman is the same, you know, so giving each person their individualized attention is real important for us. So, you know, if they know what they want, well, you know, they can just roll on the site, buy it. You know, and say, hey, dude, I got this. Okay, that's great. And that'll work for me. But I'm always reachable. I, I like talking to my customers, you know. 
they like I said, most of the time they just ended up becoming my friends and we chat about fishing and making sure they got the right gear, you know, because nothing's more annoying than buying the wrong stuff. You know, it's expensive and it's just confusing, you know, sometimes, you know, if you don't have a, a good resource for it, it's a little, a little rough, you know. Yeah, man. Well, hey, Tim, we're we're going to run out of time here. We're in the one minute warning. I want to thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, spending a Sunday evening with us. It's been fun. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Guys, please call me back. I'll, I'll try not to talk so much next time. Sorry. No, we, we definitely ah, rock and roll, man. Yeah, keep your, keep your job easy. Right. <laughs> we definitely enjoy talking much, but we're not used to being on a time frame Like, like we are tonight. This is weird. <laughs> I've been oh, sitting- you mean just, yeah. With- oh, there we go. There's the time frame, guys. <laughs> hey, I'm going to come right on back with the, uh, the other guys from the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. We want to thank Tim Ponsiloff so much for coming on. It was a great time. Check him out at uh, Spayco Fly Reels on Facebook and Spayco on Instagram and thespaycompany.blogspot.com on the interwebs. So um, I'm going to cut us off. We're going to take a little gentleman's break, and we will be right back with the dudes. All right, that was Tim Ponslaw from Spayco. Hey, guys. Uh, so I see Mark's been tying the entire time we've been doing this whole entire interview. What uh, what have you guys been doing on your week off? I know, Jay, you went fishing two or three times? Yeah, I went fishing twice. Uh, <clears throat> and then I've been tying. I've been tying a lot of flies. I've been tying a lot of uh, uh, traditional... Uh, <laughs> hoppers, traditional foam hoppers with uh, silly legs. Yeah, man, you know these are the best. Uh, I I took my daughter. Well, you went on a little creek adventure as well, Chad, and uh, I took her on a little, you know, a little tiny tributary. We, you know, we fish for brook trout here and there, and uh, and got to see a lot of cool little wildlife bugs too. Some cool bugs and shitty bugs as well. Uh, <clears throat> We went to a spot, uh, another spot there, around there, you know. Uh, it's kind of known, you know, and we, uh, and there are four guys there, and there are never guys there. You know, we're there all the time, and I'm talking, there are three different trucks when I pull up, and I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to take them on a nice scenic walk and stuff, you know, maybe had a chance at a, a brown, and I, uh, but, you know, we uh, went to a different spot instead because I let those guys walk up. They seemed like they were pretty serious about what they were wanting to do. So I wasn't, you know, and I was dragging a kid and my wife along with me. And, you know, they wanted to get out and see the woods as well. It was a nice day. And we went to that other spot. And, I, you know, I tell my, my wife didn't have a pair of boots on like you didn't the day you were with me, you know. And so she, 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 didn't, she, didn't, she didn't walk down to the first hole. So I took Riley down because I knew I could just put her on my back. Thank you. And just wade, and I dropped down there, and I and I even before I cast, I saw something go over the roll of, uh, or over the little thing, and plunge down into the pool, and it looked like a rolled up leaf. I'm like, what the hell? Well, I cast break kind of by it. This rookie comes up and just mauls my uh, <laughs> my hopper. You know, as I'm using it as an indicator, more or less, and 
that was like, oh, it's going to be a good day. I, well, I get that fish close and it ends up popping off. And uh, well, I see that. I still see that thing in the water. Now, now looking at it, it's swimming around and moving. And I'm like, oh, man, that, that looks like a big salamander. I'd jump out into the water, you know, grab it, give it to my daughter. We could find them right at my house on the road. Some smaller, this, smaller ones. This one was huge. It was a big, big newt. It'd be three or four inches, I would say, maybe three, whatever, something like that. And it was, you know, it was one of the orange ones with the red spots on top. So it was a cool little start. Uh, I went up through. I hooked a lot of fish. I was fishing barbless, so a lot of them popped off before I could put them in my hands. But I hooked. I probably hooked fifteen fish, man. It was it was, a, it was a good time. We had a good time. Uh, my wife started seeing ticks and I had walked up past where they were at, you know, they were go back a ways and out of view and she's texting me, come back now, <laughs> come on, ready to go, you know, and she's getting a little hangry and, you know, once you see a tick crawling up your kid's neck, you know, she got, she started freaking out. I wouldn't have freaked out as bad, but she started freaking Salty. and yeah, I, but I, I, I caught, I was going to say, I caught one that was probably, uh, on a stone fly that was probably oh, seven inches. There I caught go. one decent one. But man, at like the end of the day, the water cleared up just a tiny bit and uh, um, they were hitting the top. Like I had like four in a row hit the top and that's when I started getting a text from the wife and I'm like, oh, if I could just walk a little further, a couple more casts. So you looked at me funny. What was that, Chad? Oh, nothing. Just a, a lot of background noise going on. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, oh, but that was yeah, it was, it was so much fun. We saw, we also saw, uh, like I said, my wife was turning over rocks, turning over rocks, and having fun, you know. I mean, and doing what they had to do, and just, you know, having a good old time out there searching for creatures. And they flip over a rock, and my wife finds a. Uh, what well, we found out later, she thought it was a helgramite. She's like, "It's a helgramite, Jason." And you know, we knew she knew about those just from fishing, you know, and whatever, and. uh but it ended up, we looked it up, uh, you sent a thing to me after we talked, and it was a uh, a dragonfly larva. And they are cool as hell looking. Huge, huge. I mean, intimidating bug to want to pick up or, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hold them in my hand. Watch some videos of them online, for real. They are mean bastards. Oh, they bite? I don't know if they bite people, but, but they eat stuff. They eat big bugs. Oh, I bet, yeah. yeah, and I bet, I bet any of them brookies would have crushed one of them, though. Hey, Jay, Mark has six percent left on his phone. Let's let him get his uh his story of fishing in before his phone oh, dies. Oh, sure, sure, go for it, buddy. Well, I don't have anything exciting. Don't get that. Well, don't you, get your hopes up. You put a clouser to use. I'm still, uh, I'm still working, but we got cut hours down. So we're getting done at three o'clock now. So at least getting a couple hours after work. But I mean, we're just getting hammered with rain. So all the local mossy water's all blown out, muddy, shot. Hit some stocked water, and we uh, found the answer to the question: Do trout eat clouser? <laughs> they do. Hell yeah! Asked that recently. Uh, I think it was SA put up a post, or somebody did. And they had, if you saw a trout, what fly would you pick? And there's like 15 flies. The amount of people that pick clousers on it was overwhelming. Really? Yeah. I've never thrown one for a trout. 
I picked off a couple like early on. They, um, I, I tried fishing up the whole way and it wasn't working. So I walked up a long ways and I turned around and fished down. And right away started getting hits and picking up fish. And I had like a little bugger with a sculpin helmet on. Switched over to, uh, after I caught a couple, I was like, all right, screw it. I'm fishing clousers. Fished them the rest of the way out. Caught a couple with uh, like craft fur. And then a couple with just regular bucktail ones. And then Friday night went out, did the same thing, but never took a clouser off. Caught a few fish then too. Cool deal, man. That that sounds like a hell of a time. A hell of a way to burn a night, you know? Another night this weekend, I'm pushing 100 clousers tied. I'm trying to stock up for the foreseeable future, so I'm messing with them again. <laughs> use up I did about a, three weeks ago. Yep. Use up all that small and you know you're going to use them and lose them on the bottom of the river. Uh, I got, like, so many different kinds and different weights, too. I got, like, craft fur, uh, fox, a bunch of bucktail, a bunch of different sizes, and some all flash. There's a whole bunch. Be set for a bit. A lot of them, though, are like focused, real, real small, thinking uh, that local creek we're going to start adding the float into. Perfect for the smallmouth there. Yeah, Don't want to go too big. It'll overdo it. Little tiny stuff. Just like I was throwing this uh, last couple nights. Like inch and a half to two inch, like real light crafter and stuff. Good deal, man. I can't wait to, I can't wait to add that float in. Oh, I'm excited for it. Especially tying these flies, I can't quit thinking about it. So, Mark, uh, you're probably down to four percent or so. Ooh, that's a nice clouser. I'm pushing it. Okay, uh, I need you. Said she's going somewhere. I don't know. Said she'll be back. I need you to think about some musky questions for next Sunday evening. We got a musky man coming on. Oh yeah, don't worry. I'll be loaded up. <laughs> Alrighty. So when you cut out, you cut out, okay? We might keep rolling. I still got a little bit. I'm good. Okay, bud. <laughs> um, Jace, did you do any fishing besides what you told us in the first segment? Yeah, I went up the lake a few times there and also what went steelhead fishing, I believe, the same day as Jason. We were just on different streams, the same stream at different times because uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't take anybody else to ride in the car with him, apparently. But I was going to get up there. I, I wore a mask the whole ride. It was a slow day, man. I got one fish, and it was, I don't know, it was weird. It was like we fished a couple good holes, ran over to another river that we thought might have a little better flow, and didn't connect. Lots of suckers. Dude, I had suckers that put my gear to the test. Like, I couldn't land these damn things. I landed them, but it took everything with this shitty little rod I had. Well, it's not little. It's 13 foot, but it took everything and all the bend in the world working it to get these fuckers to my feet just to wrestle the, the, the jig off of their rubber nose or the bead or whatever. They were, I don't know, quill back, suckers, anything but steelhead I was catching. That sounds like a great day. So that, That's what I would enjoy. No, it sucked, sucked ass. Oh, no, you could hammer the suckers, dude. Like yeah. Jason said, he's seen a guy catch a big one. Oh, yeah, they're in there, dude. Monsters thick, like six inches across their back. They're, they're big. Yeah, I, did, I don't know. Outside of that, just a little bit what up the lake fishing, looking for some walleye. They were rolling. Uh, actually, I think they pulled the nets at the local lake. So water temperature, man, up like, you know, uh, it just super fast it moved so fast this year our spring water temps they're 
they're through the roof now. We're at 50. We're right there knocking at 50's door, you know? So, Don't you agree? Well, that's what I mean. It, I'm just saying it'd be a high of four upper forties all week long this week. Oh yeah. Well, the thing is, is the walleyes they're quick to spawn when the temperatures get right. It's not a prolonged thing. You know what I mean? They get close to shore, they do it, and if it any warms up any more, they they they're done. You know. It sounds like me but, and my wife. Well, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. I'm at two percent. Later, bro. Rock and roll. Yeah, but that all that all that weather and water stuff, we stopped at a lake on the way home from the steelhead trip uh more north of there and people are banging the bays. The bays are just warming up. So from lake to lake it's all different right now. There's you know, people are catching walleye, a lot of crappie being caught. Uh I went to our local lake, caught them. So a few different few different areas taking fish from, but uh I want to shout out BC Bait Co. What's that guy, Bo Bartholomew? Is that, yeah. Is that his last name? Or I think yeah, he right. sent us some plastics a while back, and I seen it. I seen him sitting on the table there, and all gear catches my eye. But there's these smaller versions of I don't know. It's like a double tail type deal. I've been getting some good action on. Been cleaning, cleaning house, and and feeding the family with it. It definitely works. Some of them plastics are pretty cool. Can't wait to you know, throw the little bit bigger size for some walleyes here in the next upcoming week. So thanks again for sending those, bud. We uh, appreciate that and, and salute you for, you know, keep keeping the fishing in the area alive and putting a good product out. He's a local dude. I think he's Brookfield or Majory, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't. I, I had no clue about that. I thought he was like uh, Wilhelm. I see him fish, you know, that area. So I thought he was a little more north of here. Or may, maybe even Hartford, so. but I, I know he's local to you for sure yeah oh no it, i see you know he posts pictures all the time facebook wise and other people you know that use his baits they do well especially with the crappie and hey i i like i like plastics and plastics that don't just rip off the hook so that that's pretty much you know you're once you make something that's that works to catch fish then you got to make something that works to keep people buying it you know so it's not a bad product so, i bought worse i'll tell you that and those were free, so thank you again, sir. Yeah, man. So if it makes you guys feel any better, I got a brand new rod on Tuesday. I got a whole new setup. Rod, reel, line, uh, backing, everything. It doesn't make me feel better. No, I haven't cast it. Not once. I put the, the backing. How long is it? Nine foot? Eight and a half foot, six weight. So you're not going to be able to cast it. Yeah, I'll be able to cast it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can roll cast that good it's an eight and a half foot six weight or an eight and a half foot six weight butter stick so it's a fiberglass rod what are you going to use it for everything everything absolutely Is that your trout rod now yes absolutely everything <laughs> it's going to be trout go-to it's going to be the smallmouth go-to it's going to be the carp go-to hybrids everything <laughs> That's a, a hybrid, and you said a six weight. Yeah, that's what cool. I caught. That's why I fought him on last year. Last year was like a nine and a half foot six weight, so I don't see what a foot difference makes. You know, you'll find out. Yep. <laughs> I, shit, man, I caught one on a seven and a half foot four weight glass rod once. So it it wasn't pretty, but 
I caught it. What are you, a trophy angler? You're a line class angler. Get the hell out of here, bud. That shit. <laughs> no, nah, man, I was smallmouth fishing, and a hybrid just came up and whacked it. <laughs> so. Didn't, didn't you just hear that guy say uh, 15 foot, 10 and 11 weights? Come with the stick, bro. Yeah, but I only use one hand. It's like when I whack off. I know. I'm messing with you. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, they're a fun fight on any rod. I, I used to fish with a guy that, you know, one of the guys who showed me the way way back, and he would use an ultralight on some super way too big fish for ultralight. Like shit we would throw, you know, our biggest, heaviest leaders for this guy would use a fucking trout rod and, and be on the fish. Like he wasn't not hooking them. He might have not landed a few, but he definitely <laughs> was always into a fish. Like, you know, what, what, you know what it looks like when you bend four and a half foot or a five foot rod all the way around in a macaroni like noodle. Absolutely. I know what that looks like. <laughs> pressure. You're putting max pressure on it. <laughs> You're fighting them with the cork. Or what? Yeah. What, whatever uh, five foot of ro- ultralight rod pressure would be. And it's like nothing. It's like less than the drag on that guy's reels. So guys, yeah, we- man, I I've been out fishing, enjoying spring, and uh, you guys, you guys hanging out on your little adventures. No trout fishing here, more like uh, showing up at at the local lake, you know, stomping grounds, the breeding grounds, and looking for some dinner. I've been trying to. Rush- I haven't even got the kids. I haven't even got the kids out of the house, so they could just hang out in here. Hell, till hell, you know, either freezes over or this blows over or whatever goes on. I've been trying my best to rush spring, man. I've been out looking for morels. I can't find shit, man. Nothing's been popping yet, so that's what. Yeah, I... we just had a sixty degree night last night, so. Yeah, but like oh, Mark, the trees, highs the trees and stuff from yesterday are a lot different. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Oh, my base, my basement was different too. When I woke up, I looked down there and there was like four inches of water in it. I didn't order in ground pool. <laughs> You should call the uh, the ODNR and have them stock it. They'll probably just they'll probably just fill it with all those dink walleye that they hand out for free. Heck yeah, man! Beggars no, can't, no, beggars man, can't be uh, choosers. No, it, well, it, it's a nice relief to not flood for a long time. But then when you get one, you're like, well, here we go. I ain't even had my fucking coffee yet, and I got to go pump water out of my basement that I know is gonna flood, but I just don't want it to. I've, so needless to say, I've been drying the furnace out. We're going to get that all situated. It's fun to own a home. Grow up, they said. It'd be fun, they said. <laughs> Believe me, man, my, my here, old house used to do here, that. Learn how to read schematics for shit Let you don't care about. What the hell? No. Chad's just a diesel mechanic. He can't understand shit like that. Nope, I can't. Oh, no, this is the guy who ripped the hot water tank apart twice. Twice. <laughs> Before he found the switch. It changed every component in the hot water tank. Hey, sometimes you got to break eggs to make omelets, right, Chad? That's right. So do we have anything else we want to hit on tonight? We're running hour and 40 minutes or so, guys. Well, I uh, wish everybody to hopefully in the future we can get all outside and enjoy that early trout opener if you got somebody interested in fishing there's local fishing opportunities here if you don't know where they're at definitely look look up chad he'll he'll show you the way he knows all the spots right <laughs> and i'll tell you so I'll april tell you. 
April 11th. Yeah, he'll blow them. He don't give a shit. Yeah, it's but the day on before, April 11th, day before Easter. Day before Easter. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting so kids out and everybody another can day, together. Make it a whole family weekend. And if you know the neighbor kid, you know, don't got anybody to take them, feel free to go ask if you could take them COVID and all. It's more important to do the normal stuff than it is to be afraid, right? I have a selfish little plug. I can't wait till this is over because I want to podcast with you guys. You know how bad it feels for me to sit right here all by myself looking at you guys on a phone screen? I told you I did a little bit, like a, a one-minute intro before we did the show tonight. I, I choked up. I Really, I, I miss doing it with my boys. This This is something I look forward to every week. So... Uh, listen, hey, listen, Chad, hate... Jason called me the other, Jason called me the other day to explain that he's like cool with it. And I'm like, I hate fucking sitting at home, dude. That ain't my, that ain't my steez. I, I, I was much cool cooler. With it. I just said I could do what I got to do. And then, Hey, I can go fishing a little bit. So, I mean, it doesn't, it's not killing me. Yeah. You're new to this shit. I lived in my same old house for 30 years. It's no fun. To, no more, man. I can't, I can't be here. I gotta go. And to not be able to come to my buddy's house on Sunday freaking sucks, Chad. I know, man. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I don't like it any more than you guys do. So, uh, next like podcast is going to be outside, six feet apart. <laughs> like I said, next podcast could be Brad Bowen. We sh- we should figure this shit out before uh, we get <laughs> Mister Bowen on, Mister Often Angler. So, uh, hey, are we ready for some plugs? Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for check joining. Out our, check out our Facebook. Oh, hey, God damn people- it, Jace. Quit interrupting Chad. I'm not watching the screens. I'm not watching the screen, so I can't I can't even see what the fuck if he's going to talk. Maybe I'll wait for him to talk. Go ahead, Chad. I'm going to wait and interrupt you. Go ahead. No, first off, I want to thank go ahead, you. Go ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, boss. You're in charge here. Run the show. <laughs> Who are we thanking today? First off, I want to thank you assholes. You hear that? Assholes. <laughs> For doing this with me. Gotta start somewhere. <laughs> and then I want to thank any listener that still put up with this hour and 41 minutes of shit. God, we are so much better than this. Not not our performance tonight, but this stupid program, when we're around each other, we are a finely tuned piece of machinery. And when we have to look at a phone and try to talk to each other and not get the social cues, it's really hard. It, it's really hard, guys. And I want to thank everyone for putting up with us for this evening. It, it's been fun. It's been real, but it's been real stressful at the same time. So thank you so much. That was my plug, Jay. Hey, I wonder if this, I wonder if this is all going to come out and sound like Chewbacca, like... I... I have heard a couple uh, other podcasters that use the same app. So uh, it's going to sound like it sounds in my headphones. And it sounds really good. Gotcha. Yeah. Jason, put the, that little fly out of those big ass. It sounds really good, except for when the internet stalls. You. <laughs> yeah. And then Mark. You gotta have your phone on vibrate, so here, right? That's right. We'll, we'll remember that for next week. So, Jay, I'm gonna look. You, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him on the video. Uh, don't get on the video ah. now. We're, we're, we're finishing it up. Hey, do some plugs, Jace. 
You're good at this. <laughs> all right. This show here brought to all my fly fishing fellow teammates has been brought to you by Sims Fishing at simsfishing.com. Also, Urban Fly Company. Check those guys out. Urbanflycompany.com. Those guys meaning Mark. Mark Burns. He's a pretty cool guy. Definitely give him a look. He has the flies to get you started or, you know, no matter what type of angler you are. Talk to him and he'll get you hooked up. Also, check out Yeti at Yeti.com. And also, Airx hooks. Definitely tie on the Airx hooks. Airxhooks.com. They're very sharp. They work. They're strong and dependable, most importantly. Ooh, I go. Let me let me and let me poke in right here. Let me, let me poke in right here. If you're gonna buy an Arex hooks, go to QueenCityGuiding.com and buy them from our boy Ryan. Hell yeah, he'll even put the materials on there for you. He's a pretty stand-up guy. QueenCityGuiding.com, guided trips, and also lots of different flies like dirty ones, clean ones, worms, dirty all that ones. stuff. Dirty you get all that good stuff. So check him out. Good guy, Ryan Evans, Queen City Guiding for lots of steelhead and smallmouth and all season fishing trips. And one more. Who we got? We got the we got one more. Why not fishing? The app, the dock. Uh check that out. I don't know. I've never been on there, so I don't want to push it around, but Chad claims there's information, and I like the free information, so maybe I should check it out. It, and it, also, it is uh, a good app. the Allsdorf Genetics, we want to keep those in the loop also. I just got a, an email today that they're going to update the Why Not app sometime this year, so it's going to be even better. Well, we didn't say Predator I got to be part gear, of that. Danny. Predator Fly Gear. Find all your stuff at PredatorFlyGear.com. Yes, going to need those sun shirts shortly. Check him out. Nick Mayer are also. And here we go. Cue the music. No, I, I can't put music on. With that, me. That, that, no, listen that. to me. Listen to me. I can't put music on. I was going to be the music. God damn it, Jace. Let me finish. I can't put the music on because I have you guys on the phone. But since we just lost a great one tonight, we're going to cut this show out with Mr. Joe Diffie. Well, I ain't afraid of dying It's the thought of being dead I wanna go on being me Once my eulogy's been read Don't spread my ashes out to sea Don't lay me down to rest You can put my mind at ease If you fill my last request Drop me up Inside the jukebox if I die Lord, I want to go to heaven But I don't want to go tonight Fill my boots up with sand Put a stiff drink in my hand Prop me up beside the jukebox if I die Just let my head